degrees. Hitman and Atlas Center, do you have any test operations restricted area 2508? Area 31, Roger. Traffic is quite luminous and is exhibiting some non-ballistic motion, over. Roger, Area 31. Continue to send at your discretion, over. Okay, Center. The traffic is approaching head on, ultra right, and really moving. They're right by us right now. There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac Wanwan and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Hey, we have a very special show tonight. It's one of our trivia shows. Tonight's topic is spies, our spies. I'm not sure how to say that. But let me introduce the panel, okay? Um, joining us from uh, down there where all the real rich people live is Phil O'Banes. Phil, how you doing? Let's uh, clap I'm Phil fine. in. And as I was saying a little earlier, uh, despite all of the glamour you associate with living down here in Magnolia, Magnolia. I was working on concrete all day. Okay, were, you, <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you shoveling it yourself, you mean, uh, right off the back of the truck? No, I was, make, I was making repairs. Really, yeah. And, um, just had to get done. Mm-hmm. All right. Phil is in uh, Magnolia, Massachusetts, which is close to Gloucester and Rockport, Cape Ann, Real nice part of the country. It's the suburb that nobody wanted. You know, we were we are in between Manchester, which is a very, yes. um, you know, high uh, income community, and Gloucester, which is a working man's community. Right. Neither one of them wanted to take in Magnolia when the opportunity arose several decades ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the circumstances, but we ended up being part of Gloucester. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Is that? Oh, you're part of Gloucester? Yeah, the town of Gloucester. Part of Gloucester. Oh, Not well, interesting. interesting. Wow. Well, it's a nice spot. Your you beautiful house down there, beautiful scenery. Good for you. So, Thank you very uh, much. And you are uh, the uh, past president, I think, of um, w- Winning Moves. What is your title, Winning Moves Games? Yeah, I was president of Winning Moves for 19 years. And since then, um, now that I'm semi-retired, I am known as the vice chairman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which basically means I... Uh, provide advice and they can listen to me the management can listen to me if it chooses or or not mm-hmm. wow cool okay that's good um i, I see and by get- the way i just want to mention you know we do all of these classic hasbro games yes yes well we've got one now that's really um very promising it's a mashup of monopoly and scrabble and it's simply called monopoly scrabble wow Oh, wow. wow. So the inside, the inside of the game board is a Scrabble board, and here's what's so ingenious about it. Whatever the point total is you earn by building a word on your turn, that's how many spaces you move your token on the outer Monopoly board. Oh, wow. Oh, man. So you can either exercise some skill on this one. I'm going to have to learn how to play Monopoly. I know how to play Scrabble. I know, I know. You always <laughs> joke about that. Okay. Wow, that's cool. Is that is, is has that come out yet, or is that something in the pipeline? No, that's on the market, and it's uh, as of I think about the end of June, and it's selling very well. And mm-hmm. I first saw this game 
back in 2006 at the inventing firm in Chicago that came up with it. Mm -hmm. And it basically took winning moves about 16 years to convince Hasbro that this was something that we ought to be making on their behalf. And the new team there finally said, yes, yes, go do it. Took 16 years, though, but that's sometimes how it works. Okay, yeah, Yeah. yep, yep, that's how it goes. That's cool. Uh, Also joining us is... um, Agent X, Agent X, the guy who works Agent. for the agency that works at the agency. X, how you doing? Pretty good. And I, I, I don't think I knew that Phil lived in Magnolia. Oh. And I have a question because I saw something recently either on the news oh. or in a newspaper about the Patton estate, uh, General oh, yeah. Patton <laughs> estate, uh-huh. which... I used to say it was in Hamilton Wenham. Is that yep. correct? Correct. But it did not say Hamilton Wenham. It said, I think, Hamilton. Yeah, it's in uh, Hamilton Wenham. There's a tank. There's a patent tank in the, uh, like the city yeah. town But the, the, the point I'm making is I had no idea. They opened up to the public about two weeks ago mm. a uh, patent military, uh, military exhibition. Mm-hmm. That oh. anybody could go to, and I, I'm kicking myself. I never went down to it oh. um, because I, I worked for General Patton's son, who was a three star. He never made four oh. <clears throat> when he was a deputy corps commander at Seventh Corps. Oh wow! And oh. he came and helped me while I was commanding a recruiting company, and told me to come up and visit him, and I never did. Wow! Was too busy. Wow! Last, last What's the deal about ha- Hamilton and Hamilton Wenham, and how does that all work? It's just you know two towns well, put together, kind of you know. Yeah, well, Hamilton and Wenham, yeah, they're two adjoining communities. Hamilton is known as a horse lovers community, um, and yeah, Gloucester and Manchester are not that far away. But something I didn't know about until recently is that. And I'm not sure if it was patent. Pardon me if I'm a little vague right now. But there was a seaside estate, highly in, highly inaccessible from the highway, uh-huh. that prior to the Versailles conference was where House, the Secretary of or the, right. not the Secretary yeah. of State, but the but the main advisor to Woodrow Wilson, yes. arranged Wilson to sit down and come up with what became the 14 points. Hmm. So that actually is right around the corner from where I live. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Very good. And may may I be so bold as to assume that uh, Hamilton, Wenham, is, and Magnolia, if I may say, are affluent communities? I, I'm not so sure about Magnolia. We have, we have it's <laughs> much more spotty. No, I'm not saying that, you know, just to- uh, We've been there. Uh, t- try to bring it down, but but- for example, there is a castle here in Magnolia that was um, owned by the man who had the second most patents issued in the U.S., yes. right behind Edison. And now it's a museum. It's a very eclectic place. And if you want to get married there, you can do that. Mm-hmm. That's the Hammond Castle, right? Hammond Castle? Hammond Castle is correct. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Next time I want to get married. Go there. <laughs> right up here. That voice you hear is... Uh, Jim Frankel, uh, super agent, super literary agent. We better clap him in as well because he will pout. How you doing, Jim? I'm good. I'm uh-huh. good. Things are going well. Okay. 
You, I was going to say, you, you, you look good despite what the Mets are doing to you. Yeah. Well, you got to. You got to roll with the punches. Do you really? Wow, there's a, there's only so much rolling you can do, but yeah. they understand. And then and, and yeah. the Yankees also also a big disappointment. You know what? I, yeah, I, my I, brother's I, in agony over the Yankees. Yeah, I'd like to see them win. You know, I think they, I think they try every year. You know, unlike some teams, yeah, they do. You know, they do unlike try. Some, you know. Um, but <laughs> anyway, true. so anyway, so tonight, so I've introduced everybody, and tonight. Oh, and also, how can I forget? It's um, easy to forget. <laughs> the, oh, boy. Um, the, we can start the whole show over. Mm-hmm. Joining us tonight as the scorekeeper is the very lovely Lois Lane. Lois, Hi, everybody. let's clap her in, please. <laughs> yes. hey. She might count the number of claps. Mm-hmm. There's 2,300. How are you, uh, Lois? I'm well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Where's Superman, here. Lois? Really? <laughs> I don't know. I she lost can't. him along the way somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Um, have you seen any movies lately? I have seen some movies lately, actually. Bobby? Did you see the Bobby movie? No, but I would like to. Oh, really? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Hmm. You better, better find someone to go with. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm looking. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Got that loaded up. Okay. Well, do you... Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So I did see Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did anybody else see it? Anyone yeah. else see yeah. Oppenheimer? Yeah. Yeah. The theater was sold out three oh. weeks after it was... Really, without getting into it uh, too much, Phil, what would you, what grade would you give it? A, B, C, or D? Well, I think as uh, Lois would would uh, echo, it's a different kind of movie because they they sort of like tried to tell it as if we were inside his mind a lot. Right. Yes. Right. Right. And and I, you know, I know a lot about this history, having researched it for one of my books, and uh, it was accurate. Mm-hmm. And usually, you know, they take um, liberty to try to dramatize it. But I, I was very impressed with how tr- true this was to um, what happened. What happened not only during the war with the project, but after the war. Right, mm. right. Yeah, That's what yeah. I've heard. Yeah, it, it, it was. I, I think I agree with you. Um, it was three hours long, which is it was long, long, and in a way, not exactly, but in a way, it. The movie's been done before. It was that movie, A Beautiful Mind. Yeah, kind of yeah, tells exactly. the same story, but in a better way. Even though uh, Dopey directed that, that's a really good movie. Beautiful Mind with uh, um, Russell, um, Russell Crowe is in it. Great soundtrack. So, uh, yeah, we'll report on Bobby next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we, the, the one thing we said about Oppenheimer was that <clears throat> while it was – I didn't really – Feel that it was long, like too long. Okay. I, it kept me engaged the whole time, but yeah, there were some times when I was just confused about who people were. Who I wish there was like a little dateline that came along that said, "This is New York, 1982." Yeah. You know, or just to you yeah. know how sometimes they'll type up where you are or who's talking. Yeah, yeah you got to keep it. it was, you know, there's a was, lot of people. Was, yeah. was, he did, it wasn't told sequentially. Correct. Right. And I think that's why I was like, "Wait, now which person is that?" I, I mean, not enough to to ruin it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we said it was probably, you know, you gave it a B. Well, it's a great B. You know, you I think know, it was a little more than that, but. Yeah, maybe B B plus. I mean, you know, it's seven different timelines 
in three hours right. mm. in the mind of someone who, you know, sees the atomic bomb blowing up in his mind when he, you know, when he <laughs> goes into a trance or something. Yeah. I mean, and that guy was good. Whoever, whoever, yes, whoever played Excellent him. acting all the way through. He's in every scene, Tony that guy. <clears throat> and right. uh, what's his name again? Killian Murphy. He's in Peaky Blinders, right? Ever hear Peaky Blinders? Nope. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen and it. I yeah, don't know. But uh, I'll but say this. Good. Yeah, and he had to lose a lot of weight for the part because Oppenheimer was a rail. Mm-hmm. Oh, he did. I was wondering that because he looked awfully thin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah especially yeah. in the scene where, you you know, he's not wearing a shirt. You can see just <laughs> yeah, how no. yeah. wow. he was. But that's, that was, you know, once again, quite accurate. Yeah. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It, it was, you know, it was good. I mean, anyway, I mean, I, I kind of knew some of the history, so – I was able to kind of follow along with it, but for someone who doesn't know what happened, yeah, it was all uh, pretty new to me. Except, I mean, obviously, I knew <laughs> about him and what he, you know, did, but I didn't know about what came after at all. And that, yeah, that's that's that lesser was, known. It was a little bit yeah. heartbreaking. So since there was a notable spy in that movie, are you by any chance going to include him tonight? Yeah, well, you know, let's see. I'll, <laughs> I'll check my notes. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when we do this, uh, so we're, tonight's uh, trivia uh, topic is spies, and uh, mostly from World War II. I think entirely from World War II. I'll ask the questions. They're all multiple choice questions. Uh, each uh, person, each uh, player, just. Um, um, I guess how we do it is, uh, okay, I'm ready. You know, you raise your hand or whatever, and then we go around and we take the answers. And then Lois will uh, keep the score. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be um, three segments, four questions each. The winner gets $100, and uh, you know, which we usually throw over to the uh, homes for our troops. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, why don't we start? Lois, are you ready? I think so. Okay. You ready, players? Yep. Okay. Right. Uh, okay, just these are all multiple choice, so no matter what. You can at least make a guess. Make a guess. Mm-hmm. At least guess. <laughs> and since I'm playing for one, I'll be really guessing because okay, I know right. nothing well, about so this. So would he, believe me. All right, here we go. All right. Ooh. Number, we num- won't tell him you said that. Question mm-hmm. number one. Uh, Sir Maxwell Knight has been called the greatest spy master ever. Working for MI5, UK's version of the FBI, in the 1920s and 30s, he rooted out dozens of Stalin's spies living secretly in England. He also broke up a number of illegal fascist groups operating inside the country. Just about all of his assignments led to positive outcomes for the United Kingdom. His astonishing success rate was based on the ability of his agents to infiltrate these anti-government groups. But he did it. He did this by using a special secret talent that no one else in the intelligence business had ever used before. Hmm. Okay? Should okay. I read it again? Yes. Sir no. Mac- no. Oh, nobody <laughs> else needs it. Okay, sorry. Okay. Uh, let me do it real quick. Sir Maxwell Knight has been called the greatest spy master ever. Working for MI5, which is UK's version of the FBI in the 1920s and 30s, he rooted out dozens of Stalin spies living secretly in England. He also broke up a number of fa- illegal fascist groups operating inside the country. Just about all of his assignments led to a positive outcome for the United Kingdom. His astonishing success rate was based on the ability of his agents to infiltrate these anti-government groups. But he did this by using a special secret talent that no one else in the intelligence business had ever used before. What was Knight's secret? Hmm, okay. Okay. A. 
He paid did his you agent. Say secret talent earlier. Wait, did you say talent or? Yep. By using a special secret talent that no one else in the intelligence business had ever used before. Okay. Mm-hmm. A. He paid his agents not in money but in precious stones. B. He paid his agents in morphine and pervitin, which is a German form of methamphetamine. C. He used convicted prisoners as spies under the condition if they succeeded, they'd all be set free. D. He used only women as his secret agents. Okay, Hmm. one more time. A. He paid his agents in precious stones. B. He paid his agents in morphine and uh, methamphetamine. C. He used convicts, prisoners, convicted prisoners as spies under the condition that if they succeeded, they'd be set free. D. He used only women as his secret agents. All right, let's go to X. X first. Go ahead. I mean, everyone I has no, an answer? Does no everyone? idea who this guy is, but my initial inclination was to say that D was the answer. D for But D World, for- War, World War One, you know, Matahari, and so they've been using women as spies long before that. So I'm, I'm going to say that he used used because it sounds so bizarre and this guy sounds so obscure go ahead i'm gonna say he used whatever those um drugs you mentioned were b b okay phil what do you say i think it was c convicts c for phil but i don't know this guy okay jim uh, I've heard of Frost, and I also think it was C, C. convicts and, and prisoners. Mm. Okay. Lois. Well, only because um, it just sounds so weird to me, even though it didn't to Tom, to use the women. D, for you, right? D, that's what I'm going okay. with. The answer is D, until uh, X shot it out of the water. Jeez. Now, okay. what what he did was, I mean, this is uh, you know purely in the U.K., um, just back then, you know, the British aristocracy basically ran the intelligence services, and they just thought it wasn't proper to use women as spies. So what this guy did, so so, and everyone kind of knew that. So these different groups never suspected that, you know, the people amongst them were, you know, female spies, and that's why he was so successful. Hmm. Okay, so who got that? Uh, Actually, just me. Just you. <laughs> I mean, uh, Lois. Well, That'll okay. probably be my only point, but okay. okay. Here we go. Congratulations. Wait, 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 wait. This 1920s and 30s, yes. Matahari was a female spy in World War One. Right, right. She was a spy on her own. This guy ran a network of female spies. He hired these. Had never been, never been done before. Okay, number two. <laughs> Lady Doris Castle Ross was born into a middle-class English family in 1900, but her beauty and intelligence soon found her appalling around with the upper crust of the British aristocracy. It was in these circles that she met and had an affair with one of the most prominent historical figures of World War II, hmm. someone who's always made it a point to constantly remind the public that he and his wife were very happily married. After her famous lover ended their four-year affair, in hopes of avoiding a massive scandal, Lady Doris was essentially shunned by the same British aristocracy she had once called friends. As a result, she began a personal descent, having a series of affairs with members of both genders and becoming a drug addict. Whoa. Well, hang on. <laughs> I may need Lois over here again. 
Uh, okay. <laughs> I didn't, um, I didn't and becoming a drug addict and burning her way through any money she had. She died of an overdose in the Dorchester Hotel in London in December of 1942. Okay, the question is, this is called The Scandal That Could Have Lost the War. Who was Lady Doris's secret lover? I'll do it real quick. Laptop, son. I mean, Doreen. I mean, Dor- uh, Lois. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes. What's my name? <laughs> Lady Doris Castle Russ was born into a middle-class English family in 1900, but her beauty, intelligence, and intelligence soon found her palling around with the upper crust of the British aristocracy. It was in these circles that she met and had an affair with one of the most prominent historical figures of World War II, someone who always made it a point to constantly remind the public that he and his wife were very happily married. Mm-hmm. After her famous lover ended their four-year affair in hopes of avoiding a scandal, Lady Doris was essentially shunned by the same British aristocracy she had once called friends. As a result, she began a personal descent and having had a series of affairs with members of both genders and becoming a drug addict and burning her way through any money she had. She died of an overdose in the Dorchester Hotel in London in December of 42, called The Scandal That Could Have Lost the War. Who was Lady Doris's secret lover? Ready? Mm-hmm. A, George Patton. B, King George. C, Winston Churchill. Ooh. D, Dwight Eisenhower. Ooh. Patton, King George, Winston Churchill, or Dwight Eisenhower. Let's go to Jim. Hmm. I if he only knows this. Uh, this is tough. I'm going to say it was um, was Churchill. Okay. That'd be C for Jim. Phil. I think I think it was King George. Okay. All right. X. I agree. Uh, all of the British aristocracy are all wackos to begin with. So <laughs> We have, a, we have a lot of listeners in the UK. Thank you, Ace. So who do you think it was? <laughs> oh, I agree with Phil. It's King yeah. George. King George, okay. Lois? Mm. Wow. One. Well, I'm I'm torn between <laughs> King George and Churchill. So um, uh, mm. Mm. I'm going to go with King George. King too. George, okay. The correct answer is Winston Churchill. Oh, yeah. all right. But Churchill was so chaste. That's that's yeah, yeah. To believe it didn't come to uh, light until 1985, and it, it turns out, holy cow, that they had a um, they would meet every summer in Gibraltar, and uh, they <clears throat> stayed in some famous British actress's house down there for you know four summers, and there's pictures of him and her and so on, and then when. What was really approaching, and he knew what was going to happen. He dumped him. Wow! So yeah. So okay. Who, who got that? Who got I, would, that? I I would have said he's too ugly. <laughs> <laughs> do we have the scores here? We do. Okay. So that was a point for Jim, and okay. nothing for the rest of us. Oh, nothing for us. <laughs> okay, so let's go on then. Good out. Okay. Can Can I interrupt for just a second? Yes. Didn't we start? The uh, premise of this, that this would be American spies? No. 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 Spies. No. Just spies. Okay. I thought you said American spies. Okay. Mm. Must have dreamed that. Okay. Here we go. Number three. Spies are known to have one common personality trait, a high regard for self-preservation. Many times when in tight spots, spies have to come up with a cover story or some excuse to explain their actions or find a way to escape. With this in mind, which of these four incidents is not true? 
true. Okay, which of these four instances is not true? A, a British spy named Yeo Thomas, codenamed White Rabbit, escaped from three different Nazi prison camps before being sent to the Buchenwald death camp where, instead of being murdered, he wound up starting a prisoner advocacy. Adversary? No. Advocacy. He started, wound up starting a prisoner advocacy group and convinced the Luftwaffe to take better care of Allied airmen being held there. I could do that. A British spy named Yeo Thomas, codenamed White Rabbit, escaped three different Nazi prison camps before being sent to the Buchenwald death camp, where instead of being murdered, he wound up starting a prisoner advocacy, advocacy. group <laughs> and convinced the Luftwaffe to take better care of Allied <laughs> Allied airmen being held there. Wow. Okay. B. Yikes. A spy named Christine Granville was such a good actress, she secured the release of several members of the French underground by going to, Descop- by going to Gestapo headquarters in Paris to plead their case personally. Even though the HQ was filled with wanted pictures with her picture on them, offering a huge reward for her capture. Hmm. That's more guts than. Uh, let's see. Ooh. C. A spy named Odette Hallows who escaped from the Ravensbrück, Ravensbrück concentration camp by convincing its commandant that she was related to Winston Churchill and that he should surrender with her. D. A French agent named Lapite Ricard who escaped from six different POW camps by posing as a female each time. Hmm. All right, real quick. These are long. These are long. Uh, so which one of these are not true? It's British not spy true. named Yeo Thomas escaped three different Nazi prison camps before being sent to Buchenwald, where he started. Oh, one and one only is not true? Yes, only one is not true, right. By being sent to the Buchenwald death camp where he, instead of being murdered, wound up starting a prisoner advocacy group and convinced the Luftwaffe to take better care of LDM and being held there. Uh, B, a spy named Christine Granville, who was such a good actress, she secured the release of several members of the French underground by going to Gestapo headquarters in Paris to plead the case personally, even though the headquarters was filled with wanted posters with her picture on them offering a huge reward for their capture. C, a spy named Odette Hallows, who escaped the Ravensbrück concentration camp by convincing its commandant that she was related to Winston Churchill and that he should surrender with her, D, a French agent named Lapite Ricard, who escaped from six different POW camps by posing as a female each time. Hmm. Lois, you're first. Wow. Um, something is telling me to pick C. C for Lois. Jim. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I don't think it's C because I remember Odette. Um we were good friends during the war really? in a previous <laughs> yeah. life. But um, I'm going to say D. D. D for Jim. Phil. D for D- Daniel. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember learning about Odette, and uh, Granville was actually the very firm, uh, famous Polish style, very, very famous Polish spy mm-hmm. who. Um, um, was a great actress, so I think that's probably true as well. The The first one bugs me because Buchenwald was a death camp. This is not where they took allied POWs. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was the and the fourth one was dressing as a female? Yes. Right. Well, 
the the Pete retired. That, that just that just seems like doing it six times is rather much. I, but I, <laughs> I I can't imagine the Buchenwald connection being accurate. So I'm I'm going to say that it's it's the one that's not true, right? Right. Right. I'm going to say A. A. A for Phil. Yeah, I wondered about that. X. <laughs> this one is so simple. Of course, I said that about the other two. Go ahead. Anyway. <laughs> Go ahead. The Nazis did not believe in advocacy groups. <laughs> okay. okay? That's a very 21st century term. And they did not have advocacy groups. Look at him say that word. Prisoner war camps, and especially not in concentration camps. So anybody who says he started an advocacy group. I think he's just picking that one because. Camp, yes. That person is untrue. Okay. <laughs> But he's just picking that because right. he wanted to show off how he can say advocacy right, right. so easily. <laughs> Went to the same school, remember that? <laughs> okay, so he's picking A. He's picking A, okay? Advocacy groups. You ready? <laughs> All right, two for A and a D okay. and a C. The false story is D. D? French agent <laughs> named Le Petit Ricard, which would translate into Little Dick, right? So that is Who escaped from six different POW camps by posing as a female each time. That is wrong. The number one one is a true story. For some wow. reason, a bunch of allied pilots, they made a movie out of it. I think two movies out of it. They made a movie with Bruce Willis in it, and basically what happens is that a bunch of allied, you know, airmen wound up at Buchenwald somehow, and they were just in the mix. And he pulled over a Luftwaffe officer who was visiting there and said, hey, listen, the Luf officer is supposed to take care of Don and not in one of these places. So they couldn't get him out, but, but they allowed him to start a group, and and the allied airmen got better treatment. So that's an yeah, advocacy. Did, did they call that group an advocacy group? How do you say it in German? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. What are the scores there, uh, Lois? Okay, so, so far we have Phil with zero, uh -oh. Jim with two, Tom oh. with zero, and one if he ever shows up, or me with one. Let's stick with you. Okay. So uh, who got that? Uh, who got that one right? That was Jim. Okay, Jim. Oh, Jim. Oh, Jim. Hey, here we go. I was tempted by the Buchenwald one, though. I really was. Yeah, that's a weird story, but it's true. All right. If you had only not said advocacy group, we could have. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to blame you. <laughs> Okay, Richard Sorge was considered by many to be the most brilliant spy ever. Using the cover of a German newspaper journalist with deep Nazi connections, he operated a large spy ring in Tokyo in the late 30s and early 40s, just as Japan was preparing for war with the United States. He hired only the best people to work under him, and instead of simply passing up any intelligence he and his ring uncovered, Sorge would first digest it all, edit it down to the basics, and then send it along to his superiors, along with his recommendations, a total of 30,000 page, 30, pages in all. A total of 30,000 pages in all. And he was never wrong. One person described him as a one-man intelligence agency. Sorge is probably the only person who knew ahead of time the dates of both Germany's invasion of Russia and Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor. The question is, who was Richard Sorge spying for? A, he was a German spy sent by Berlin to spy on Germany's ally Japan. B, he was a Russian spy sent by Moscow to spy on Japan. 
C. He was a Russian spy sent by Moscow to indirectly spy on Germany. Oh, my gosh. D. He was a Canadian citizen working without pay for Britain's MI6. All right. We'll just go real quick, okay? <clears throat> so can you repeat those? Yep. Rich, uh, let me just read the uh, question real quick. Real, okay. Richard Sorge was is considered by many to be the most brilliant spy ever. Using the cover of a German newspaper journalist with deep Nazi connections, he operated a large spy ring in Tokyo in the late 1930s and early 40s, just as Japan was preparing for war with the United States. He hired only the best people to work under him, and instead of simply passing on intelligence he and his ring uncovered, Serge would first digest it all, edit it down to the basics, and then send it along to his superiors, along with his recommendations, a total of 30,000 pages during the war. And he was never wrong. One person described him as one-man intelligence agency. Serge probably was the only person who knew ahead of time both the dates for Germany's invasion of Russia and Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor. The question is, who was Richard Sorge spying for? A, he was a German spy sent by Berlin to spy on Germany's ally, Japan. Now, he's in Tokyo now. B, he's a Russian spy sent by Moscow to spy on Japan. C, he's a Russian spy sent by Moscow to indirectly spy on Germany. Hmm. D, he was a Canadian citizen working without pay for Britain's MI6. Let's go to X. He looks baffled. I, I have heard of this guy, uh, and I'm embarrassed to say I don't remember who exactly, but considering every other incident, every other um, question you brought up has nothing to do with Americans and everything <laughs> to do with British, I'm going to say this guy was a Canadian citizen Spying for the British. D. X says D. Okay. Jimbo, what do you say? Well, I think he was um, a Russian spy um, spying on the Japanese. Russian spy spying on the Japanese, so that would be B. B. Phil. Yeah, I also say B because I seem to recall that the Japs caught him Japanese caught him in 1944, I think, and executed him. Okay. That, that, is also, that is true. Lois, what do you say? Well, I'm going to go with Phil because he sounded so assured. Oh, so, assured. Uh -huh. so I'm going to go with B. Well, that's the same as Jim then. Okay. Jim, that was brave. Jim, you both sounded like you knew what you were talking about. Well, Sorry, Tom. You, you, uh, you were fooled there, my dear. Oh. It's um, C. He was a Russian spy sent by Moscow to indirectly spy on Germany. Oh, so now, none oh. of us. Think of this. Of course. <laughs> so he's, he's – so they're – That's they're, so twisted. Yeah, they're allies, okay? So Jap Japan and Germany are allies. So this guy goes over to Tokyo, and, and he has all the um, you know, recommendations from um, uh, these different Nazi newspapers. So he got to talk – so the high, yeah, there was a very high, um, there was a very large well, that makes sense. I see that, yeah. infrastructure in Tokyo, German infrastructure in Tokyo. And he infiltrated that. And he was able to, to make friends with them. And he was sending the information to Stalin. And so he told Stalin when Germany was going to attack Russia and Stalin completely ignored him. And then he also told Stalin when the Japanese were going to attack Pearl Harbor. So Stalin knew ahead of, you know, a lot of people. So, wow. Uh, Doreen, I mean uh, uh, Lois. <laughs> so um, got that. nobody got that. No one got so that. So the oh. score remains 
um, Jim in the lead with two. Okay. Me with one, and Tom and Phil are tied Go with down. zero. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Okay. I mean X. Sorry. So listen. It, we're gonna. Uh, actually, Matt, Mac. Once you sent that, I did. I did remember that. It's just, <laughs> okay. What do you want to have? There's so much. To, everybody's British. What do you want a half a point? <laughs> All right. So uh, we, 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 we'll uh, close this segment out with a fun fact. Fun fact. Maybe the most famous spy in the UK of this era was a guy named Eddie Chapman. I had never heard of this guy, but it, it sounds oh, like yeah, movies yeah, yeah. and books, the yeah. works. He's a petty criminal turned into an MI6 operative. During the war, he convinced the Germans to hire him to spy for them in the UK. And from that moment on, fed them nothing but bogus information. He did things like fake the destruction of the Havilland aircraft plant and helped in convincing the Germans that their V-1 and V-2 rockets were hitting their targets when in reality they're actually undershooting them by miles. The Germans loved him so much they gave him his own yacht. But even as all this was going on, Chapman was still fixing, <laughs> still fixing dog races, was involved in kidnapping and blackmail, and acted as a loan shark. Couldn't get enough excitement, I guess. So listen, why don't we do this? Why don't we calm down, regroup, and take a uh, quick commercial break? And we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Mill Track Soft Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We're playing spy trivia tonight for Homes for Our Troops. And we'll be right back after this. So until you hear us next time, this is Mac Maloney for the entire gang saying, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye. Okay, the show's over. Hey, Cobra, where are we going to eat tonight? Well, gentlemen, what do you feel like? Chinese, Italian, sushi? How about we go where they have the best hamburger in the world? And where would that be, one one? Only the Starboard Galley. Starboard Galley? They're a great seafood place, but they're in Newburyport, and we're in Exeter. But they're only 20 minutes away down Route 95, and believe me, they have the best hamburger in the world. Let's go. Okay, boys, license and registration. Where's the fire, you clowns going to the circus? We're in a hurry just to get the best hamburger in the world. And where's that, Pally? That's the Starboard Galley in Newburg. The great seafood place? Yes, but they make a great hamburger, too. And they start with the best beef. Super fresh buns. Great toppings. Plus, it's only 20 minutes away from Exeter, 25 from Portsmouth. Not with a police escort, buddy. Light them up, Switchblade. Starboard Galley. They're here. That's the Starboard Galley, 55 Water Street, Newburyport. Great seafood and the best hamburger in the world. And tell them Juan Juan sent you. My dad, he's a double amputee and uh, he's one of my favorite people in the world. To me, a hero is someone who fights for our country and freedom. My dad is a hero. Homes for our troops built this house, and my dad can get through the wide doorways. He can reach anything. Homes for our troops builds and donates specially adapted custom homes nationwide for severely injured post-9-11 veterans and enables them to rebuild their lives. Join our mission at hfotusa.org.
Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Miltronic Sound Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. We're uh, in the middle of one of our trivia broadcasts tonight. The topic is spies. The play is uh, Agent X. Take a bow, Agent X. What is he, zero? He's at zero. Yes. Okay, yes. Right. I am a whopping zero. Okay, all right. Unblemished records. He's got right. Change any second. Only way to go is up. Super literary right. agent, Jim Frankel. Jim. Hello. Okay. Leading the pack. Pleased to be here. Mr. Monopoly, Phil Orbanes. Phil. <laughs> Happy to be here as well. Thank you're, you. You're the uh, world's authority on Monopoly, right? Uh, pretty much, yes. Yeah, definitely. So th- this mashup wouldn't uh, that doesn't offend your room, your good senses <laughs> not to mess with Monopoly. Well, considering how many times Monopoly has been, you know, uh, mutilated yep. into uh, <laughs> affinity versions. I, I love Lucy, and you know, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh man, uh, this oh. this is a really solid game. It plays extremely well and no i don't mind it at all well that's cool i love lucy version of monopoly oh yeah oh man and how about the iditarod version of monopoly oh man i'll tell you i gotta tell you phil it doesn't matter unless there's a bobby version of monopoly (laughs) that Uh, that probably won't happen because barbie is the mattel property that's right is the arc rival of hasbro wow good point well, uh, also our fourth player who probably knows more about Bobby Dolls than we do, what, you know, who knows? <laughs> Lois Lane is with us. Lois, how are you? Hi, everyone. Did you have a Bobby Doll when you grew up? Of course. You did, huh? Yeah. Did you have more than one? Mm-hmm. Did you have any Kens? Um, <laughs> hmm, no. Why? No? No. Okay. All right. It was all, Ken yeah. just doesn't rate. There's a joke yeah. in there somewhere. Right? <laughs> Ken's a wuss. No. I'm sure there's some. Definitely is. So we're yes, in Ken's the middle. Because G.I. G. Joe beat the crap out of Ken. Okay. Well, <laughs> there for sure. Look at it, either one of them. I don't think they could beat each other up <laughs> either. But that's another show. Uh, so anyway, so the topic tonight is spies. We're doing uh, trivia. Uh, the um, prize is $100. And uh, hopefully the win will turn it over to Homes for Our Troops, a military organization <laughs> that raises uh, funds for our veterans in post 9 11 combat, that means the Afghan war, the um, Iraqi war, and what they do is they build them houses that adapted to the injuries that they sustained uh, while uh, in service of the country. Uh, and so, for instance, these houses are built, they might have very few steps, wider doorways, lower counter space, lower tables, something like that. And then when um, Home Strong Troops builds them home, they tear up the mortgage, they give them the keys, they give them the house for free, and then these people can go out and, uh, you know, live, I hate to say it this way, but you'll live as normal a life as possible because they don't have that thing of, of a mortgage hanging over your head every month. Plus, they have a house that they can get around in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lois and I went down to one of the houses, uh, christenings, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, a couple months ago, down towards the Cape. And it was really something else. It was really a kind of a touching moment. You know, they had about 300 people there. And this woman... Wow. Um, had lost both her legs after two tours in Afghanistan, and they gave her this house, and it's a nice house, man. It's like $480,000 house in a nice part of town. Mm -hmm. In a place where a town that she selected to be nearby, uh, you know, loved ones. Her family, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Homes for Our Troops, that's who we're playing for tonight. Why don't we get to 
Round two. Are we ready? Round two. We are ready. And the scores stand at, did we say this already? No, let's do it Um, again. The scores stand at Jim in the lead with two, Mm -hmm. uh, me with one. (laughs) Lois has one. Tom and Phil both have zero. But there are two rounds left, so you never know what's going to happen. There we go. All right, round two. On December 7th, 1941, Japan attacked the U.S. Naval Fleet at Pearl Harbor. The attack was months in the planning from the Japanese building miniatures of Pearl Harbor Anchorage to developing aerial bombs made of artillery shells to infiltrating spies into Honolulu and beyond. These spies would become known for their eccentric ways of gathering intelligence. Which one of the following is not true when it comes to the spying efforts of the Japanese before the sneak attack? A. The Japanese had special spies whose only job was to sit at a certain place in the ba- near the base and count the number of food trucks arriving for the naval fleet. Hmm. B. A family of Nazi spies, including Goebbels' teenage mistress, bought a house overlooking the harbor and used porch lights to flash coded signals to Japanese submarines offshore. C. Japanese spies frequented Honolulu's beauty salons and memorized gossip they overheard from naval officers' wives. D, the Japanese hired sex workers to give half-price coupons to any U.S. naval officer who was deemed chatty during coitus. My gosh. Sorry, Lois. All right. Okay, (sighs) basically, of these four, (laughs) what did the Japanese not do? A, they had special spies whose only job was to sit a certain place near the base and count how many food trucks arrived for the fleet. B, a family of Nazi spies, including Goebbels' teenage mistress, bought a house overlooking the harbor and used porch lights to flash coded signals to Japanese submarines offshore. C, Japanese spies frequented Honolulu's beauty salons and memorized gossip they overheard from naval officers' wives. D, the Japanese hired sex workers to give half-price coupons to any U.S. naval officer who they deemed, in quotes, chatty during coitus. I have to go to X on this one. Well, just could you read B again? I just wanted to make okay. sure I understood that one. B, uh, a family of Nazi spies, including Goebbels' teenage mistress, bought a house overlooking the harbor and used its porch lights to f- flash coded signals to Japanese submarines offshore. Well, I would say everything except for B is standard um, espionage trade craft. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... I'm I'm not buying B, and if it if the answer is that yeah, his 14 year old girlfriend girl you have, have you ever seen a picture of Goebbels? B right yes, got <laughs> no. a house in Hawaii. Looks like something from Lord of the Rings. To the Japanese, I ain't buying that. Okay. All right, so he's saying B. Lois, you're up next. Well, I want D to be wrong because that just sounds wrong. Go ahead. That's <laughs> the that's coupons me. for sex. Yes. <laughs> But I'm going to go with uh, B because it just sounds okay. weird. Phil? Yeah, I uh, I don't think Germany was, at that point, all that eager for us to be their adversary. And uh, Goebbels had his hands full with, uh, with Russia before Pearl Harbor. So I, I think B is not right. Jim? Yeah, I, I think B is the answer too. But what makes me think B is the answer is, uh, in addition to the other stuff, the fact that um, 
porch lights blinking like that mm-hmm. would really attract attention. Mm-hmm. 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 Good point. Okay. But, you know, I, 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 I would, and, and also I, D was the other possibility I thought, but, but that makes too much sense to me. Really? You know, mm-hmm. yes. the idea that they would use, reward use chatty <laughs> guys by giving them, uh, you know, yes. half price um, coupons. Cause I mean, they wanted them to be chatty. Hey, maybe that's why Robert Kraft went back twice. But look, all right, so um, everyone said uh, everyone, everyone said, said B? B. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The correct answer is D. No, that's what oh, I wanted no. it to be. That's right. Are you kidding? They did not hire sex workers to give coupons that's out. That's no, crazy. Now listen, B, Jim. You know, I can I can send you off a pitch for this book in a second. Family of Spies. <laughs> The Germans actually asked the Japanese if they would want some Caucasian people spying for them. So they sent this family, and the family, the daughter was 14, and she was Goebbels' girlfriend. And they went to, they finally go to Japan. And what what the guy did was he pretended to be a botanist. So he was able to kind of walk around, and he had a notebook and everything, but he's taking notes down on the fleet. The um, the wife actually started the beauty salon, and and she memorized the gossip between the naval officers' wives, especially when the ships were going to come and leave. You know, when the ship was coming back to port, all the navy wives would go out and get their hair done, and they would know Japanese would know when the ships were coming and going. Um, ah. But but so anyway, so and then they had the daughter who was you know let's say very um, loose morals was you know made friends with a lot of sailors and they had a ten year old kid who became a mascot kind of to uh, some of the ships down there and they were giving them tours and everything and during the um, they they uh, thought to be the reason that there was not a third wave because they said listen you've you've destroyed just about everything and um, you know the carriers might be near whatever. But, um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, there was a family of Nazi spies that helped the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. So what was that? So everyone got wrong? Blinking lights, though. Yeah, they had blinking lights. lights? They had blinking lights. They had a radio, but the radio, like, malfunctioned right up close to, you know, the the attack. They also used to hang towels over their, um, you know, like on their porch. And um, spies and... um, And spies in sailboats uh, offshore would, um, you know, interpret the you know, the sheets hanging and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Gotcha. Now that oh, was, well. you know, and the Japanese had their own things going on too, but they kind of use this kind of as you know additional intelligence. So, okay, next hey, Mac, one. before the break, you were talking about Eddie Chapman. Was that yes. leading up to something? Well, just now that was a fun fact. Fun fact. This yep. is, okay. Okay, here we go. They are interspersed Fun throughout. Yeah. Interspersed. All right. Okay, here we go. Uh, all right, number six. Uh, during World War II, British intelligence ran a secret counterintelligence operation called... Oh, British intelligence. What else? <laughs> <laughs> why me, is that offensive? Let me start again. Agent X, why is that offensive? During World War II, British intelligence ran a secret counterintelligence operation called Double Cross that is considered by many today to be the most successful spy operation ever. Amazingly, British intelligence captured every German spy sent to the UK during the war and turned them into double agents, thus the double cross, forcing them to send back reams of false information to their masters in Berlin. The efforts of the double cross operation, which included famous spies such as Gabo and Trisagon, are credited with fooling the Germans 
in two crucial areas, the timing and location of the D-Day invasion and the accuracy or inaccuracy of the Nazis' V-1 and V-2 rocket programs. The question is, how many German agents was the double-cross operation handling? Okay. Mm. Now, was the, what, was, the, was what? How many agents, how many turned double agents was yeah. the double-cross operation handling? Now, every, every spy, it, this is a story in itself, every German spy who landed in England was caught by uh, MI6, uh, the British version of the CIA, let's say. Some of them turned themselves in, but a lot of them were caught, and they just basically turned them right around, and they said, you send the, in, you know, the information that we tell you to send, and it just screwed the Germans up in a lot of different ways. So how many, how many turned German spies was Operation Double Cross handling at its height, let's say? Okay. A, 392 spies. B, 184 spies, C, 98 spies, D, 48 spies. Okay, so it's 392, 184, 98, 48. Let's go to Phil. I think he knows this. I think D, 48, and even that number surprised me. I thought it was 28 myself. Hmm. 48? For you, Phil? Yep. Okay. X? I know the the German Intelligence Association responsible for that was the Abwehr. Yes. And they were terrible. Um, they were not good at it. They were absolutely. And they did not recruit good people. Yep. And I'd say I got to agree with Phil. I think it's um, – they got every single one of them. That's oh, yeah, correct. Yes. Yep, yep. But uh, it wasn't – because they were just so horrible at running agents. By the way, that's one reason I think that the Ab War was so terrible is that its leader, Canaris, <laughs> hated was, Hitler. And he's turned, yeah. He was a, he was a, he was a, and was trying to lead efforts to get rid of him. So, uh, okay, so uh, Jim, what do you say? I hate to agree with these guys, but I agree. 48. Lois. Oh. Well, now when I went with everybody last time, I got it wrong. So I'm going to just... Be different and say C. Really? Yes, I am. The okay. correct answer is D, 48. Ah. <laughs> yes, 48. See, that, when I looked at that, I thought to myself, I was just, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of people to juggle around. And, and they had to create, you know, like some of them had to die. Some of them had to escape. Some of them had to have these backstories. And that's a lot of balls to keep up in the air. But they did it. Every single, <laughs> that's amazing, every single spy that made it to the U.K., they captured and turn them into a double agent. Hmm. The interesting way, I, fact I, is that the uh, when the Germans recruited non-Germans to do it <clears throat> yes. from other countries in Europe, they did a better job. They did it, yeah. I'm not surprised. More intelligence. By okay. the way, I just realized where the number 28 came from in my head. Mm-hmm. Barbo, the Spaniard, mm-hmm. created right. a fictitious network of 28 agents who never existed uh, it convinced the uh, the Abwar that the information he was reporting came from specific spies whose backstories he had elaborately created. Right, right. And he eventually joined Double Cross. And when he started, Gabo, we could do a whole show on this guy, Gabo. Right. What, what he started as Juan like Puyos. a volunteer. You know, he he went to the he went to the British, said, "I'll do this for you." And they said, "No." So what he did is he sat in a hotel room. 
in Lisbon, and he made mm-hmm. this whole thing up with with travel logs, and you know, and the Germans fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. And the and the best thing about double cross, the entire whole double cross thing was, the Germans paid for the whole thing. The Germans yeah. actually shipped the money over. So yeah, lose lose. And they gave him the Iron Cross. And they gave him the Iron Cross. Yeah, <laughs> two British spies cross. got the Iron Cross. And after the war, he faked his own death so he could disappear. Right. Yeah, he disappeared down to. Although he did feel back. Brilliant. They brought him back, and I think he was given the OBM or whatever, you know, and he he was finally recognized. But uh, they just thought that yeah, people. Member of the royalty honored yeah, him for yeah. his great contribution. Mm-hmm. Amazing story. There, there's a movie. There's your movie to be made. Get Brad Pitt or someone oh, yeah. to play that guy. It's such a nutty movie. Anyway, all right, here we go. Fun, fun fact to interject. Go ahead. Um, during the Cold War, I worked with the um, Cold War version of the Abwehr, which is called uh, Militärische Abwehrdienst, the military counterintelligence, to, for yeah. a loose term, service. And I used to... I would. I worked with them a lot, and I used to tease them about that all the time. I said, "Why mm. should I trust you guys?" Really? Every single one. <laughs> Do they get every the joke? Single one of the agents you sent to the Brits <laughs> got <we>? compromised. <laughs> I oh. said, "I'm not telling you anything about our people." <laughs> we know how fun-loving the Germans are. Did they get the joke? Did they? Uh, everybody loves me, Matt. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. Okay, number seven. Which of these celebrities did not work for an intelligence agency during their careers? Which of these celebrities did not work for an intelligence agency during their careers? A, Bob Keyshaw, a.k.a. Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> B, British actor Christopher Lee. C, Frank Sinatra. Hmm. D, Cary Grant. Okay, who did not? Only one of them did not work? Yep. Who did not work for an intelligence agency during their careers? Only one. Bob Keyshaw, Captain Kangaroo, uh, Crystal Lee, British actor, Frank Sinatra, or Cary Grant. Lois. I'm going to say C, Frank Sinatra. Fra- Lois says Frank Sinatra. Phil. Man, this is this one floors me. I, I didn't know that any of them had any connection to Escal. I don't remember them popping up in anything I've read previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Captain Kangaroo. Okay. I knew his son briefly. Hey, really? Oh, yeah. Really? Really? Did he, did, he fall, did he fall out of his pouch? I don't know. There's a kangaroo. <laughs> well, he looked like a kangaroo. there that. somewhere. Okay. He looked just like his father. Really? Yeah. Huh? Really? Okay. Hmm. Get down to the hair. Jim, what do you say? Wow. Uh, I, I think Bob Keyshawn, too. Okay. Also. X. Hey. It wasn't Frank Sinatra because. He was a double agent for the mafia. So <laughs> it had to be Captain Kangaroo. Okay. Oh, boy. Lois? Again. I feel like I should change my answer, Go but ahead. I'm not going to. Go ahead. <laughs> no? Oh, should I? I don't know. Who did you pick? I forgot. Frank Sinatra. Okay. All right. There we go. The correct answer is Captain Kangaroo. Oh, shoot. All right. He was a Marine. He had some kind of, um, you know, heroic story about being on Okinawa at Lee Marvin or something. I don't know. But um, Crystal Lee, who we're going to talk about a little bit later on, was an uh, intelligence agent after he was a bomber pilot. Frank Sinatra, later on, used to, um, at the request of the government, not in, the, not in World War II, but he would um, ferry – uh, you know, people that the CIA wanted in the country, he would ferry them on his uh, private jet. 
Uh, Cary Grant carried secret documents between here and there, I guess, during the war. So, um, really, yeah, number so A, who got that? Well, well, um, all three, all Phil, yes, Jim, and Agent X. Okay, all right, not bad, guys. So, what's the score? Yeah, I was just going to say it's time for a score update. As I predicted, round two would change things dramatically. Phil is. Um, Phil and um, Agent X are tied with two. Tied with two. Uh, Jim is in the lead with four. Four? Yep. Okay. Oh, Jim. (laughs) And Lois? As we all predicted, I have one. One, okay. (laughs) And that's probably all. It's a nice looking one, though. All right. All right, here we go. Number eight. Jasper Mescaline was a magician turned British intelligence officer who used his knowledge of misdirection and camouflage to pull off some highly unusual deceptions during the war. These included hiding squadrons of aircraft in plain sight, creating inflatable rubber tanks, building jeeps that left tank tracks in the sand to fool enemy reconnaissance planes. Mescaline also pulled off a number of spectacular big stage deceptions as well. Of these four examples, which deception did Mescaline not do? Okay. One one question before you continue. Go ahead. What kind of intelligence officer was he? Filipino, he, Chinese? No, he's British. Didn't I say that? British uh, again. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, was a magician turned British intelligence officer, and he he was he was a famous music, a magician during the thirties, and then, you know, with the war, uh, he uh, joined. Anyway, so hmm. okay, here we go. A. Which which did he not do? A, using cardboard, mud, and battery-operated lights, he recreated the city of Alexandria, Egypt, three miles west of its real location, causing German night mission pilots to bomb nothing but sand. Hmm. B, by using powerful searchlights and a series of twirling mirrors, he created a distorted visual zone stretching 100 miles above the Suez Canal, disorientating, is that the right word? Disorienting. Disorienting. Say it again, please. Well, Disorienting. German pilots and making it impossible for them to bomb the waterway at night. Hmm. C. By creating thousands of fake tank tracks in the southern Egyptian desert, he convinced Rommel that the British had a huge army there, lead, leading the Germans to intensively bomb empty desert for two days before they were attacked by a huge British army from the north. D. Using lights and mirrors, he was able to recreate the image of a British battleship off the coast of the Wet uh, Wild Chirin Peninsula. Okay. Phil will probably know how to say that. Um, convincing thousands of German army and navy holdouts dug in there to surrender. Once more. Okay. Okay. Where was this? The, now, this his name is Mescaline. He was the magician. No, no, no. Oh. Indeed, what was the name of the location for the false Spell battleship? It. Spell it out. Okay. I'll just, let me just go through them again. Okay. Uh, a, using cardboard, mud, and battery-operated lights, he recreated the city of Alexandria, Egypt, three miles west of its real location, causing German night mission pilots to bomb nothing but sand. B, by using powerful searchlights and a series of twirling mirrors, he created a, dis- a distorted visual zone stretching 100 miles above the Suez Canal, disorientating. Disorienting. German pilots. <laughs> And making it impossible for them to bomb the waterway at night. C. By creating thousands of fake tank tracks in the southern Egyptian desert, he was convinced Rommel that the British had a huge army there in the south, 
leading the Germans to intensively bomb empty desert for two days before being attacked by a huge British army from the north. D. Using lights and mirrors, he was able to recreate the image of a British battleship off the coast of um, Antwerp and Belgium, where uh, convincing thousands of German army and navy holdouts dug in there to surrender. Hmm. Lois. I'm going with D. The, that just sounds like okay, the British that, battleship. Okay. Yeah. Jim? I'm going with C. Okay. All right. Let's see, which was that they bombed empty desert for two days. Phil? Yeah. I think Rommel was too smart. Okay. Is, uh, is the Suez Canal B? Uh, the Suez Canal is B, yes. And I'll go with that one. B. X. Well, I've got to believe that a bunch of tank tracks in the desert wouldn't last that long, and they'd be seen everywhere. So I agree with Lois. I don't think hardcore German soldiers would surrender to a German battleship out in the ocean while they were on the land. Mm -hmm. Okay. We got everyone? We do. The correct answer is D. Uh, he did not create the image of a battleship off of uh, that. Um, it was a peninsula that stuck out from Antwerp, and the Germans held it for most of the war, preventing the Allies from using Antwerp as a port to bring in their supplies. Okay. okay. Lois is so wicked smart. Okay. Um, wicked. Well, as okay. long as I have two points, I feel so much better. <laughs> okay. okay. You doubled your score. She said, she said points. All right. So listen, we're at the end of segment two. Okay. That's right. I have a fun fact, but let's go over the uh, score. Okay, so the scores, at least I have a respectable two now, along with Phil. Tom has three, and Agent X has three, and uh, Jim is in the lead still with four wow. points. Amazing. No, not, mm -hmm. yeah. not that amazing. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we had a, um, a fun fact on Christopher Lee, Lois. Were you able yep, to transmit that to I do. If you click the tab. <laughs> She's already lost me. Click the tab. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Can we make that a little? Yes, you make, can. <laughs> I guess I made that a little larger, but okay. How's that? Okay, before we take a break, here's a fun fact. Actor Christopher Lee, I think everyone knows him. He was in Star Wars, but he was in a lot of horror movies. He played Dracula. You know, very recognizable guy. He was also in the 1974 brilliant Three Musketeers. He was, yeah. He, he did a lot of stuff like that. He did a lot of interesting characters in his uh, career. He should have been in the Hobbit trilogy, but he wasn't. What? Who? Uh, okay. He should so, have been in the, the uh, Return of the King, you know, that trilogy, but he would have been good. Yeah. As a child, actor Christopher Lee was woken from his bed and brought downstairs so he could meet the men who killed Rasputin. What? Yeah. He lit like he would that? later meet the man who executed Mussolini. He witnessed the last public execution by guillotine in France. His little finger was his little finger was misshapen after a drunken sword fight with Errol Flynn. He caught malaria seven times. Wow. He climbed the pyramids of Giza, captained the British golf team, was stabbed in the neck in the Egyptian city of Ismaili. 
Mae West once invited him up to see her sometime. <laughs> he, he was friends with both oil magnate Paul Getty and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp? He could speak Swedish, German, Spanish, French, Italian, Greek, Russian, and Mandarin. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he could. <laughs> Fluent? Uh, of course, yeah. Just ahead of his 90th birthday, he recorded a pair of heavy metal albums about champagne, about Charlemagne with Judas Priest. Wait, is this, are that. we supposed this is, to... No, this is all... We're supposed to pick the one that's false, right? No, no, this is just a fun fact. Okay. Lee was a pilot during the war, and afterwards he joined a team of Nazi hunters tracking down Germans, German war criminals. Of all the things he'd done in his life, that part of it was the only part he didn't speak about in his autobiography because there was he had to go through concentration camps and stuff like that. But all the crazy things that this guy, you know, went through and he was an intelligence agent too. Wow. On that fascinating. I Has anybody made a movie? I've got to tell you, Lois, you have to watch Britbox more often. No. It appears that Mac lives on Britbox. Brickbox. Everything is Brit this, Brit that, Brit that. Oh, okay. Britbox. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know what you're talking oh, about. Spoken, okay. Spoken like, a, spoken like a true Mick from Boston. So listen, why don't we regroup? Wow. Okay. And uh, catch our breaths. And um, we'll take a commercial break now. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Most Rock Sound Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Trivia night tonight. Spies is the topic. Please stay tuned. Hawk Hunter, the wingman, has finally rid the world of its worst ever supervillain, Victor Robotov. But in Mac Maloney's latest book, War of Dragons, we learn the maniacal terrorist ghost still haunts our battered, devastated planet. In War of Dragons, book 22 in Mac's best-selling wingman series, Hawk and his united American allies uncover Victor's bizarre plot from beyond the grave. The super terrorist hid six nuclear bombs around the Mediterranean before he died, knowing their detonation will empty out the Great Sea and cause a worldwide catastrophe. Guarding these weapons of mass destruction, he's left behind a family of ferocious air dragons, eternal aerial sentinels that will stop at nothing to protect their late master's unthinkable secrets. Sailing aboard their gigantic aircraft carrier, the USS USA, Hawk and the United Americans must battle their way across the Mediterranean, slaying these dragons in hopes of beating Victor's allies to the nuke's secret locations before time runs out. If not, then the world will face a very nasty, very watery Armageddon. It's Game of Thrones meets Top Gun in Wingman 22, War of Dragons by Mac Maloney. On sale now on Amazon. Everyone to Mac Maloney's Milk Trackstar Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Well, what a show we have for you tonight. We're in the middle of one of our trivia shows. The topic tonight is spies. Joining us is, first of all, the lovely Lois Lane. Lois. Hi, everyone. Uh, also, the equally lovely Jim Frankel, <laughs> super literary <Hello>. agent. <laughs> uh, uh, Phil O'Bain, who is the uh, past president. Hello, everyone. 
What did he say? Well, I, go ahead. Phil O'Banes, uh, who is the past president of Winning Moves, uh, the company that makes a lot of uh, games that you grew up with, and a lot of mashups, as it turns out, and also the Ouija board, right, Phil? Correct, yeah. The one thing that sticks in my mind about the Ouija board, because we've talked about it a number of times on the show with you, is that you say that in times of um, despair, like when war starts and stuff like that, Ouija board sales go up because the family wants to be in touch with the soldier halfway around yeah, the world. Yeah, maybe overseas, yeah. And then just the general uncertainty of the times makes a lot of people anxious. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Ouija is counter-cyclical, if you will. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you, a lot of Republicans buying Ouija boards. No, right I was just going to say, do you sit by the TV and just yeah, urge, oh boy, we need another world crisis here? And I don't have my thing. <laughs> Not me. Okay. Uh, also joining us is uh, Agent X, the man who worked for the agencies, who worked for the agency. X, how are you doing? Pretty good. <clears throat> Thank you for having me, Mac. And when times are tough, I think beer is a helpful solution. Beer? Beer? Okay. All right. Yes. Good. Yep. I'm not sure you should be advocating that on the airways. <laughs> Ooh, did you get that? Okay, so we are on the third segment of our uh, uh, trivia show tonight. Topic is spies. Lois, do you want to read the uh, scores, please? Yes. After two rounds, we have a tie for third with me and Phil with two points each. Okay. Second place is Agent X with three points. Mm-hmm. And in the lead still is um, Jim Frankel. He has Just four barely points. hanging on. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's okay. It's a, it's a tight match. It's a tight race. For, and um, we have another round to go. Right. Correct? Here we go. Anything could happen. Anything. Right. <clears throat> uh, okay, so here we go. The man who never was was a, the true account of a British intelligence operation during World War II that involved <laughs> securing a dead body, preserving it in ice, dropping it off via a submarine onto the coast of Spain with a briefcase chained to its body containing a top-secret Allied war plan that was totally fake. The Spanish were pro-German, so the British knew the false documents would eventually be given to German intelligence. Though the secret information laid out plans for what would be a massive invasion of a very unlikely target, the deception went off without a hitch. The Germans fell for this grand ruse, ordered the relocation of a million German soldiers to a place far from the front line, shortening the war by about a half a year. The question is, what was the deception about? What did the Allies, what were the Allies trying to deceive Germany about? Hmm. A, their plan to invade Italy. B, their plan to invade Sicily. C, their plan to invade Greece, Sardinia, and Corsica. D, their plan to invade Crete and Malta. Okay, so the story is is that British intelligence got a hold of a dead body, made it seem like, uh, dressed them up, gave them an ID as if they were a uh, British pilot or someone who was in a British plane that got shot down carrying mm. secret war plans. Okay, and they went through this. The, 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 the way that they went through this is amazing how they finally did feel, fool the Germans that the war plans were, they were convinced the war plans were right. They fell for this hook, line, and sinker. What were the Allies trying to deceive the Germans about? Okay, their, their plan to invade Italy, their plan to invade Sicily, their plan to invade Greece, Sardinia, and Corsica, their plan to invade Crete and Malta. Lois, she's, well, she's looking at me and shaking her head. 
This is a shot in the dark. Everybody else has a lot more information than I do. I'm going to say B, Sicily. B, the plan to invade Sicily. X. I'm going to say, excuse me, I'm well aware of that. And I thought it was they... He was dropped off the coast of Portugal. I may be wrong on that. I might be wrong too. Go ahead. And and uh, but I'm going to say since they eventually first invaded Greece and Malta, I'm going to say that is what they were trying to dissuade the uh, Germans from thinking. So they would the the deception was their plan to invade Greece, Sardinia, and Corsica. So C, you're so picking. What? what? C. Oh, sea thought, what's the one with Malta? Uh, that's D. They're planning to invade Crete and Malta. Oh, Crete and Malta. Yes. Which I think I said, New Jersey? No, then, then the, the Greece <laughs> and the other one. Okay. Whatever. So C for Greece. C, C for okay. X. Phil? Okay. Uh, B for Sicily. Jim? Um, I had to agree with Phil, but... B for Sicily, I think. Okay. We got everyone, huh? We do. Three Bs and a C. That's what it was. They were, dece- they were trying to see the Germans about their plan to invade Sicily. Oh, wow. So what it's amazing th- how well that worked, too. Right. It, because, yeah, you know, really. the, the war plan he was, that he was handling, you know, the fake war plan was that they were going to invade Greece, Sardinia, and Corsica. And I'm thinking of that for an operation. That's like three... I mean, Greece is a whole country, and then Sardinia and Corsica, you know, big islands in the Mediterranean. But they made the Germans, they convinced the Germans that's where the invasion was going to happen. They invaded Sicily and then uh, eventually Italy. So. No, I misunderstood the question. Oh, sure. Okay. (laughs) Because I thought they were going. Are you going to advocate now for yourself? (laughs) No. We'll get that right there. We're going to have contestant advocacy over here. That's all we need. I thought I said they were trying to um, prevent them from thinking they were going to invade Greece and and Malta. Well, you got it backwards there. What's the score? What's the score, Lois? Okay, so that um, three people. Received a correct score for uh, that last yes. one. That was Phil and Jim and myself. Okay. So the scores are now um, a three-way tie for second yes. with Phil, myself, and Agent X with three points each. And Jim is still in the lead with five. Five, Jim. You're hanging on there, buddy. Okay. He's, he's, yeah. Here we go. We only got two more left. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> Raul Dahl author of Willy Walker and the Chocolate Factory oh, yeah. and many other literary works, was a spy during World War II. But he was, a diff- he was different from 99.99% of other Allied spies. What made his spy career so different? Okay. Uh, Raul Dahl, author of Willy Walker and the Chocolate Factory and many other literary works, was a spy during World War II. <laughs> but he was different from 99.99% of other Allied spies. What made his spy career so different? A, he lived in Berlin for the duration of the war. B, while spying for the British, he carried on an affair with Lucy Goering, granddaughter of Nazi chief Hermann Goering. C, he spied on Nazi children's groups and sent the information back to London inside stuffed toys. D, he spied on the U.S. for the British government. All right, real quick. Mm-hmm. A, he lived in Berlin for the duration of the war. 
B, while spying for the British, he carried on an affair with uh, Goering's granddaughter. C, he spied on Nazi children's groups, sent the information back into London inside stuffed toys. D, he spied on the U.S. for the British government. Phil. Uh, well, it's D, I believe. And uh, he worked for, quote, unquote, the man named Intrepid, William Stevenson in New York City. Mm-hmm. He was, he himself, I believe, was at the British embassy in Washington as air adjutant. Okay, so that's D for Phil. X. What What was the um, answer about, this is another British spy, what was the answer about <laughs> spying on little kids? He spied on Nazi children's groups and sent the information back to London inside stuffed toys. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Should he we get made, back to you? He made Ludwig the bad guy in Willy Wonka, remember? I uh, never saw <laughs> it. Ludwig. Okay. Oh, that's true. I think he, he hated German kids, and he spied on German kids. Okay. Okay. Have we got that one? Answer no, was. we have Jim and myself Jim. to answer still. Jim. Okay. D, because I know that's true, D. as Phil does, for the same reason. But also, what else made him different was that he's the only one who had his books bowdlerized uh, decades after he died, hmm. had them what? Had them what? Outlawized. You know they they made them politically correct. <gasps> oh, we, oh, in the last couple of years, Lois, which has nothing to do with his spying. No, what was, but that's what was wrong with them? They were so fine. Well, yeah, I only they had the words that that people you know, that that people who so? are sensitive about you know diver- not just diversity but appropriateness uh, found offensive, like words like fat. Oh, 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 the German kid fat. Yeah, that's my answer. And and his publisher changed that, and 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 a bunch of other stuff, saying Mm. this is impossible. This is terrible. Interesting. (laughs) And then they got a huge amount of blowback, and they had to, you know, also put out you know the original editions as well. Well, you sell sell twice as many. Lois, what do you say? That's interesting. After you hear all that, yeah. Well, as a teacher, it's interesting to hear things like that. Okay, so. Um, I was going to say A, lived in Berlin the whole time. Okay. Yeah. That's it? Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And right. But C was attractive because you think, well, he's a children's, children's author, so children's toys. And they thought, well, how do we know so much about what happened in those children's camps? So, But I'm going with A, hey. lived in Berlin. Okay. The correct answer is, you know, these guys got it, is D. He spied oh. on the U.S. or the British government. And basically what they did was – it was interesting, and I, I'm wondering if the Americans even knew this was going on. Maybe I, I can feel they maybe did, but they they basically tried to propagandize you know, the British position, you know, before the right. before we jumped into the war and when we were in the war, you know. It, it was right. – they, they, they did stuff to, that were very bro, pro-British in the United States. I can understand it. Uh, why they did it. I also heard a story that very early in the war, their their office was in Rockefeller Center. And right. the next building right. over was the German office, and they wanted to kill some guy there. So they brought in a sniper, but he said, the windows are too thick for me to shoot this guy. So what they wow. did is they got some kind of big game hunter's rifle, some you know hand cannon, and they shot one bullet, 
that smashed the window, and then the second bullet, they got the guy. Okay, I'll tell you one thing. We were just reading this stuff about the British. I know not everything that they do goes right, but man, they come up with some ideas. They come up with some really plans that are really crazy, and you know some of them works. So anyway, like the Dam Busters. Like the Dam Busters is a perfect example, right? All right, here we go. This is the last question, Lois. No. Yes. Oh, this is oh. the last question. Yes. Yep. Two. Two questions. Oh, no. One more. Just one more. You sure? Just one more. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, what did Twelve. I do? Twelve. Is it? Is it let me let me just pr- ask a nope. question before you start. Is this going to be a British question? No, I don't know. <laughs> we've we've had eleven of them so far. Yeah. So. There's only three. There's only three in this one. Oh, okay. okay. That's why I thought you All said right. we were going to twelve. Right, we go. Gotcha. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Dusko Popov was a Serbian businessman who became a spy at the outbreak of World War II. He infiltrated on his own the German military intelligence group ADWAR and provided them with inaccurate and misleading information throughout much of the war. Joining up with MI6 later on, he became a double agent providing the British with intelligence he picked up from his German superiors. Yet Popov had a unique distinction throughout his spying career. What was it? Even I remember, I forget the answer to this one. All right, let's go mm-hmm. one more time. Dusko Popov was a, suburban, a Serbian businessman who, Dusko Popov was a Serbian businessman who became a spy at the outbreak of World War II. He infiltrated on his own the German military intelligence group ABRA, provided them with inaccurate and misleading information throughout much of the war. Joining up with MI6 later on, he became a double agent, providing the British with intelligence he picked up from his German superiors. Yet Popov had a unique distinction throughout his spying career. What was it? A, his cover was that of a coach of a girls' acrobatic team, which performed throughout Europe despite the war. Wow. B, his cover was impersonating a Catholic priest. C, he was the war's one and only triple agent, ostensibly working for the Germans, the Allies, and the Yugoslavian intelligence service. D, he later moved to Russia and became one of the first cosmonauts. Hmm. Okay? A, his cover was that of a coach of a girls' acrobatic team, which performed throughout Europe despite the war. B, his cover was a Catholic priest. C, he was the war's one and only triple agent working for the Germans, the Allies, and Yugoslavian intelligence service. D, he later moved to Russia and became one of the first cosmonauts. Lois. Wow. I'm going with C. C. He was was one and only triple agent. Jim. just sounds crazy. I I agree with Lois that he was a triple agent. Uh Uh-oh. Phil. Well, one of these is correct this time, right, as opposed to... Yes. 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 So, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm a little confused by it, but just tell me what the three options are again. Okay. I, uh, his cover was that of a coach of a girls' acrobatic team, which performed throughout yep. Europe despite the war. B, his cover was uh, Catholic, as a Catholic priest. C, his was one and only triple agent working for the Germans, the Allies, and Yugoslavian intelligence service. D, he later moved to Russia and became one of the first cosmonauts. Well, there actually was a cosmonaut whose name was similar, but I don't think it was him. So uh, I'll also say C, C, the triple agent. Okay. Who do we need? Tom. X. I mean X, Agent X. 
Yeah, he, he serves on Catholic, so he wasn't a Catholic priest. He he was uh, definitely C. Ooh. C. Well, okay. we all agree. And uh, that's the correct answer. He was the was only triple Good. agent. Okay. I just never heard of that, so it really sounded like something that. Yeah. Yep. It, 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 once again, there's there's your movie. This guy did stuff like you know shooting people skiing and stuff like that, like they see in you know Double O Seven movies. So okay, all right, we have a uh, breaker question. What is the um, what's the score there, Lois? Please. Okay, I, so um, <clears throat> we have. Go ahead. Start from the lowest. Yes. We have um, Agent X and myself tied for third with four points. Mm-hmm. Phil has five points. Go ahead. And Jim has seven points. Seven, Jim. All right, let's wow. clap. Let's, we have to at least. We will. I was hoping that it was the girls' athletic uh, acrobatic team. <laughs> <Once again. laughs> I couldn't see that. That'd be a great movie. Okay. <laughs> that would have been that would have been so fun. Um, all right, I have a f- one more fun fact, and do you want to try the break a question just for the hell of it? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Why not? The fun fact is, no less than thirteen real life spies have reportedly been the model for James Bond, 007. Popoff oh, really? was one of them. That Malcolm Knight guy was one of them. The White Rabbit guy uh, who started the pr- the prisoner activism group. He was one of them, um, and even uh, even Ian Fleming, who wrote James Bond, even his his brother Peter was, I guess, in SOE, and he, you know, kind of contributed to it. But um, yeah, all these people, you know, claim that uh, people, other people claim that they were actually the model for James Bond. Okay, here we go. Here's the uh, breaker question. Okay, which one of these is not true? This is Phil's kind of. Mm-hmm. Question. Ready? Which one of these is not true? During the war, German intelligence dis- developed a superbug that gorged on potatoes. The plan was to drop these bugs all over the British Isles and cause widespread destruction of British crops. But Gosh. instead, when the Germans tested it on some German potatoes, the bugs quickly got out of hand and destroyed a substantial amount of the German potato harvest. Mm. Oh, goodness. Okay. B, the SS ran a dating service during the war with the goal of putting together perfect Aryan couples. For most of the war, many SS officers, instead of massacring defenseless citizens, wound up answering letters from young women whose perfect arrangement did not work and were now seeking love advice to know why. (laughs) C, when the allies, Allies invaded Italy, U.S. intelligence found out that instead of paying the helpful partisans in money, they instead would give them a Sears catalog and tell them to pick out whatever they wanted. Thank you. D. Queen Elizabeth was a truck engine mechanic during the war. No. Again, what are we looking for here? Just <laughs> it is not true. true. Which one is not true? Real quick, real quick. Did they dis- yeah. did German I, intelligence? Honestly, it sounds. I, so I can't believe any bug. of them. Let me just read them real quick. Uh, German intelligence developed a superbug that ate potatoes, but when they tried to uh, you know test it out in Germany, it actually spread all over Germany, causing a German potato famine. B, the SS ran a dating service during the war with the goal of putting together perfect Aryan couples. For most of the war, many SS officers wound up answering letters from young women who, whose perfect arrangements did not work out and were now seeking love advice to know why. C, 
When Allied forces invaded Italy, U.S. intelligence found out that instead of paying helpful partisans in money, they instead would give them a Sears catalog and tell them to pick out whatever they wanted. And D, Queen Elizabeth was a truck engine mechanic during the war. I'm going to go to Jim because he won. No, I'll go to X because he lost. X, what is it? Well, considering this is Britbox extravaganza, <laughs> I'm going to say everything is British. Is he a patent? It's got to be Queen Elizabeth hmm. working on trucks. I don't think so. It might be true. And if you say that is true, I'm going to say it's for a photo opportunity. Lois, what do you say? Um... I think that the letter writing, you know, that whole yes, yes. Uh, yeah, love, the love, love, love doctor help in the, it just no. doesn't ring true. Actually, except for the potatoes, I don't think any of them ring true. <laughs> okay. Phil? So, um, to answer the one that is not true. Not true. Not true. Um, well, the, 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 I can't comprehend how in the world the Italian partisans were going to get their items from the Sears catalog. Okay. Right. Well, that's... There probably is some truth to that. I, I will go with the love, love letters from the Forlorn and the SS. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they did see, Jim knows the answer to this, I can tell. Jim. Well, I know that Queen Elizabeth did do work in the motor pool. Absolutely. <laughs> of she did. She, she, she definitely did. was she a did. That was that was That's a big fact. thing she did. Oh, wow. she, um, she was crazy. she was a teenager and she oh. got her hands dirty. It's a famous thing actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um go ahead. And, and, thing. And, 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 and the but and, and you know the I I think that the uh the potato thing is what's not true and I'll that's because um I think the Germans even if the uh the, the potato bugs got out and and destroyed uh, German potato crop. They would still send them over to England. That's true. So I think that's um, that's true. Um, that that's that's not true. That they didn't okay. do it because of that. Okay. I think we got everyone. Not true. Mm-hmm. Everybody's answered. Okay. And so this is like a bonus point. Right. Yes. Okay. Right. <clears throat> C is the right answer. When Allied forces invaded Italy. They didn't pay off the partisans with stuff from Sears catalog. But I'll tell you this, that's what the CIA used in Vietnam to pay uh, their, you know, allies in Vietnam. You know, they, would, they, they didn't take money. They would just come with that big, thick book and say, whatever you want, and they'd order from. So anyway, that's right. I got I to tell you, Mac, Queen Elizabeth was still being working as a truck mechanic during the Vietnam War. If you believe that. <laughs> You'll believe anything. I, 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 all I know is that she worked. Yeah, the stuff that comes up. Well, you know, well. Red box. Can you see a patent forming here? Yeah, I? I think he's a little anti-Britain. The, um, the, 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 the potato bug thing is true. That's actually, that actually happened. Why they didn't. Yeah, I knew that. One. Dump them on, uh, you know, they knew they worked. Why wouldn't they, uh, you know, use them? But they didn't. So, all right. So let's see. So the. Here fun- we go. So even with since nobody got that, nobody got the bonus. It Jim is the winner. Jim is the winner. Let's clap. Yeah. Let's win once again. Nice for job. Him. Seven correct. We're really going to. Well done. And he really I've ever won one of these. Um, and I would gladly donate the hundred bucks to uh, homes for our 
for the vet. Okay. Home Track Troops, once right. again, let's clap. Great. $100 to Jim, donating it to yeah, Home yeah. Track Troops. Home Track Troops, just Google them, see what they're about. They're a great organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I guess that's it, kids, right? Well, what's your other timekeeper? Well, yes, yeah. I am. That, But more than that, the game is over. The game so. is over. <laughs> oh, all, right, all right. Do you want um, to sing a song or anything? You? I, I do a little dance? Well. No, thank you. <laughs> we're on the radio, but okay. <laughs> well, let me just thank everyone. I really appreciate everyone uh, joining us tonight. Okay, time out. Okay, just, I mean, I don't know what you need time-wise. Well, we're, oh, it doesn't make any difference. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, okay. Just, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're not so, into rules here. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't you have to have a certain amount? Nah, nah, nah. it's just radio. It works out. It always works out in the end. Okay. So let me just thank everybody. Uh, thank you, X, for joining us. X. Okay. Thanks for having me. Good move, Your Royal Highness. <laughs> Good move, getting a haircut. Phil, thanks for joining us, Phil. That was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Do you want us to come down and help you with the cement tomorrow? Are you done? Or That's what? done. It's done. It's, done. it's sealed. It's painted. I'm <laughs> You're finished done. with it. Thank goodness. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Jim, how you doing? Uh, you know, um, thanks for joining us. I was going to say how you doing, right. but how yeah, are you you're doing? You're welcome. And, and I just feel the only thing wrong with this is that when you talk about concrete, it makes me think of Culver's, which has concrete mixers, which are – it's uh, – <laughs> It's it's a it's a Sunday basically, mm-hmm. and now you've made me want ice cream. Oh yeah! Oh well, now yeah, for sure. Wow. Um, now uh, all you had to do is in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Now you just mentioned ice cream, and we all want ice cream. Actually, I want I want, I want potatoes for some reason. Oh, potatoes! Cream, sound good. We all scream for ice cream. <laughs> we all do Well, listen. Thanks everyone Very for joining successful. us. Okay, and um, thanks everyone for joining us. And this is Mac for the entire gang. Until the next time you hear us. Be safe, be happy, and... Bye-bye. And now, please stay tuned for a bonus segment of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show.
the air makes you choke And people don't know you And trust is a joke I don't even have pictures Just memories to hold Grow sweeter each season As I slowly grow old to blame for this Somehow it all adds up the same Soaring on the wings of pride I flew too high And like Icarus I collide With a world I try so hard to leave behind Rid myself of all but love to give and die. Turn away and not become another nail to pierce the skin. The one who loves me more deeply than the oceans, more abundant than the tears of a world embracing every heartache. The one to sacrifice Or grip the spear And watch the blood and water flow Take my world apart Remains of a life I should not own Takes all I am just to believe In the mercy that covers me Did you really have to die for me? All I am for all you are What I need and what I believe Take my world apart
take my world apart.
darkest darkness In the blackest black On the road to nowhere There's no turning back Love reached out and touched me Stopped me in my tracks Crossed my heart Cause it's true I'm nothing without you Crossed my heart Cause it's true
raining for days. My 